Hi folks, it's Pastor Jennifer from Bryan Community Church. You have to forgive me for the echo. Um, unfortunately, where I am right now, um, there's just not a lot of padding to help with the sound, but I did want to share with you a message that I shared this past Sunday. Um, if you did not hear it, um, I hope this brings a, a message of hope to you, especially as we seek God and, and search for revival in our hearts and in our lives. Um, we are a week off of the Super Bowl. And so I just thought it would be interesting uh, to take a look and do a quick Google search to see how people celebrate the Super Bowl. Um, and you probably could write this portion of my message for me uh, had you been part of the 113 million people who viewed the Super Bowl, whether it was by physically being there uh, or watching it from home. So interestingly enough, this is known as a uh, unofficial national holiday, um, which makes sense because um, like many of us, we were sitting at a friend's house or a family house, enjoying a meal or a spread um, of goodies while watching the Super Bowl. 49% uh, say that they like watching the commercials the most. 20% reported they wait until the next day to go back and actually watch the commercials. Um, and 46% watch the Super Bowl just so that they can see the halftime show. And then how about all of the food that is consumed? Think about this. 12.5 million pizzas. That is a lot of pizza all on Super Bowl Sunday are purchased. And then one billion, that's one billion with a B, wings are consumed. Whew. You know, I was thinking um, for a new church plant, uh, it would be nice to have just a portion of what was made by all those pizzas or wings that were sold. I thought, man, what could we sell just one day out of the year uh, on Super Bowl Sunday so that we can um, afford to, to purchase uh, a land or start building a church building? Anyways, fascinating. Uh, and I also wondered, and I've always wondered this, what would it look like if God's people celebrated like we celebrate in America the Super Bowl? Wow. Can you just imagine, let's have t-shirts made, uh, let's cheer on Sunday mornings, let's get excited. Um, heck, what would it mean if we painted Jesus across our foreheads? I mean, seems kind of silly, but guess what? You know, people who are excited about their favorite sports team, they do all kinds of crazy things to celebrate uh, that team. And so, um, you know, as Christians, we could probably learn a few things from one of these uh, unofficial national holidays that our fellow Americans celebrate. So anyways, uh, as I was thinking about that, um, I was thinking, and, and maybe you have heard this, that in Wilmore, Kentucky, at Asbury University, there is a revival taking place right now. Uh, not, not the Super Bowl, even better, but a revival for over two weeks now. Uh, the university has people coming in and out of chapel, praising and worshiping God. You know, the Super Bowl, we get excited for it and it can be an all day affair. The, the game only lasts, what, about four, four and a half hours. Imagine worshiping for over two weeks. Now this is exciting and this is worth 
face painting or wearing t-shirts and, and praising God for what's taking place in the lives of the of the, the students and the men and the women and all those who are at Asbury Seminary. So I think that's pretty, uh, pretty neat. Um, and I was talking to a friend of mine, Robin O'Brien, and um, she's like, man, I wish I could get up there. I wish I could get to Kentucky. And I said, Robin, why do we have to drive uh, what 14, 15 hours? Why not have a revival here? And so that's something I want us to talk about today. Um, how do we revive ourselves, our own individual hearts, as well as our churches, so that we can celebrate something more important uh, than a silly game, um, but most importantly, um, a savior who brings life and healing and hope to a very broken and sometimes very dark world. And so I turn to Luke chapter 17. I wanna read this to you. I think we can learn from a man who had a revival of sorts uh, in his heart. Um, Luke chapter 17, this is what the word of God says. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called in a loud voice, Jesus, master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, he came back praising God in a loud voice and he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all 10 cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except for this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. So here we have a microchasm of a revival that we can learn from. We can all have a revival within our hearts and within our churches if we learn from this man. Now, I want to, to point out a few things to you. First, what did this leper do? Well, all 10 of them did. They saw Jesus. And how many of us get so busy in life that we miss seeing Jesus? The other night I went to, to lay down and it was Saturday night and I had been working all day Friday and all day Saturday and just kind of going, going, going nonstop. My mind um, was as far away from God as it could be. And I laid down Saturday night because I was getting ready uh, for Sunday morning service. And I just thought to myself and I said to God, Lord, I haven't spent any time with you. And brothers and sisters, that happens. I mean, it's life, right? Life starts to get in the way and we miss, we miss that Jesus has been with us the entire time. We go through the day sometimes with what seems like our eyes are closed. You know, and, and just a few, um, excuse me, a few months ago, we were celebrating Christmas. We were celebrating Jesus, Emmanuel, Emmanuel, which means God with us. Jesus is always with us. But if we're not careful, the busyness of life, whether it's running from, from work to school to um, soccer practices, back to work, wherever we are, maybe it's going home to, to, to get dinner or um, to, to get home to a, a Zoom meeting even, we sometimes close our eyes and miss Jesus. But the leper in this story, the man in this story, 
he saw him. The men saw Jesus. And when they did, they cried out to him, Lord, have mercy on us. And so I think one of the first lessons, if we're going to revive our hearts and we're going to revive our churches and we're going to revive our communities, is we need to have our eyes focused on Christ. And it's like, you know, after a while we go because we're so busy, we're going without water, right? At the end of the day, we just thirst. I think we're thirsty for Jesus. The world is thirsty for Jesus. So we have to take time to see him. But then not only do we have to see him, we have to listen to him. Jesus said to, to the men, he said, go, show yourselves to the priest. Now, why in particular did he tell these men to go show themselves to the priest? Well, here's the thing. When they would be healed, it was the priest who would allow them to come back into society. Because here's the, the sad truth. Um, the lepers, they were pushed out into their own communities that they weren't allowed in the public why it was a, a, a way, I guess, to protect others. But can you imagine being sent away from your family, away from your friends, away from your loved ones, away from your home, and to start all over with another group of people that you don't know, and you weren't allowed to come near them? You actually had to say, unclean, unclean. You'd have to, to raise your hands and let people know you can't come close. Can you imagine being pushed on the margins? And unfortunately, in this world, that we still have people who are pushed on the margins and they are, they're looked at. You're one of those people. And that's who the, the lepers were, one of those people. And they were pushed aside. And so Jesus knew that if he was going to heal them, they would have to go back to the priest. And the priest would say, yeah, this is a miracle. You are healed and you can come back. And so in doing so, not only do we have to see Jesus, but we have to know that he's speaking to us and that Jesus is going to call us to do something. He's going to say, go. Now, in, in this sense, he might not be saying go to the priest, but he could be telling us to, to go do a lot of things. Go to worship. You want a revival in your life? You want a revival in your heart? Go back to worship. Go and listen to God and give God praise. Go to Bible study. Get in the word. Root yourself in me. Be in prayer. Let's communicate. Let's talk about your life. Let's talk about the good things that are going on. Let's talk about the bad things that are going on. You want a revival? You want to get closer to me? Well, talk to me. Let's pray. Jesus might be saying to you right now, go. Go back and be a part of a community that prays together, be a part of a community that worships together, be part of a community that studies God's word together. Or maybe saying go and help somebody who's in need. You know, too often we get caught up in ourselves and we miss out on the opportunity to go and help someone. Maybe Jesus is saying, hey, I need you to go and help someone. I need you to go and serve someone. Get your priorities straight. It's not about you. Go serve your wife. Go serve your husband. Go serve your children. Spend time with them. You think you have it bad? How about the lady down the street who just lost her husband? Go. Care for her. Let me show you so that you can have a revival in your heart of what really matters and who I am and who I've created you to be. Go to the park. Go to a friend. Go. We have to see Jesus and then we have to listen.
to Jesus. A revival starts when we see and then act. And then we have to praise Jesus. Because brothers and sisters, Jesus is going to surprise us. And he is going to move in us. And he is going to revive us. And when he does, we better say thank you, Lord. Lord, thank you for this day. Lord, thank you for this opportunity. God, thank you for the life that you have given me. You see, what the final leper did is he came back and he quite literally threw himself at Jesus' feet. And this is a symbol for us that we have to give our lives to Jesus. If we're not going to literally throw ourselves on the floor, but brothers and sisters, sometimes he calls us to get on the floor quite literally if we are able to get on the floor and get on our knees and we pray and praise God and give him thanks. What the leper did in this story is a symbol of what we are all to do, is we are to throw ourselves, all of us, on Christ. Our entire life should be dedicated to God. Think about it. We would be nothing. We would be nothing had God not breathed life into us. We would be nothing if God had not given us the abilities to run here to there, to go to work, to go to practice, to go to school, to go wherever God has called us to go in the day. We would be nothing, nothing, if God did not give us his son, Jesus Christ, to offer us eternal life, eternal life that can be found today. Life, true life, true peace and that inward joy that only God can give us. We would be nothing if Christ had not laid down his life so that you and I could live. Let us learn from this leper to see God, to act when God calls us to act, maybe to go and do as Jesus calls us to do, and then to praise God. This is how revival happens. Now, brothers and sisters, I told my congregation, I said, um, well, first of all, you know, I'm a little weird. I'm a little weird. So what I'm about to say is going to be a little odd, but I need you to hear me say it first of all and know it comes um, from a very important place in my heart. I love funerals. I know, I said it, I told you it would sound weird, but I love funerals and let me tell you why. I love them because I get to celebrate a person's life, a person's life that um, prayerfully lived a very long time to celebrate a person who impacted many, many different people and to give God thanks for that person's life. I also really like funerals because I get to share the gospel of Jesus. I get to tell them that they are loved and that they are not alone and that their loved one is in Christ's arms at this very moment. I'm so humbled when I get to lead a funeral. And so I share this with you for a couple reasons. One is because uh, this past week, I had the opportunity to lead a service for an incredible woman. And we celebrated her life and songs were sung and Jesus was praised. And it was just a great moment so that the family knew that, that her body, while it may have failed her on earth, um, she is now in the arms of Christ in heaven. 
And so we celebrated her, uh, but also I had the opportunity to learn from her. I know it sounds kind of crazy. So um, she had left for her daughter some, some paperwork so that after she passed that her daughter, you know, could go through them. And there was an article uh, in this paperwork that, that she left for her. And in the article, it was entitled, What Are You Holding On To? What are you holding on to? In the article, it tells the story of a gentleman. He's vacationing in Sicily. And while there, him, um, I guess, and, and his, his counterpart, uh, they were swimming in the sea. And while they were there, there was a strong current. So the strong current starts to, to take him out to sea. And, and what does he do? You know, we know that um, in a time of crisis, you're not supposed to panic, right? Well, we say that today because we're not being swept out to sea. Um, him, on the other hand, he started to panic. And so he started to flail and, and he got real scared. And this, the sea started to carry him away. And anyways, he had one of those moments where um, he thought back over his life and he heard his mother tell him, uh, she said, Leo, what are you holding on to? I guess he was remembering another uh, season in his life whenever he was holding on to the, the loss of someone. And she kept saying, you know, like, you don't need to hold on. Stop holding on. And he thought to himself, you know, if this is the time that God would take me, I'm ready. So he stopped flailing. He stopped panicking. And then he realized he could stand right where he was. And so he put his feet down and he stood. And he didn't have to panic anymore. And he didn't have to worry about drowning. His life for that moment had been saved. And I tell this story because I think it is a beautiful depiction of our lives sometimes that we try to hold on to things and we try to control things and we we try to to take matters in our own hand and life in our own hand um, and yet sometimes what we have to do is just stop we need to let go we need to see jesus and we need to hear him and we need to listen for him to say i need you to go here or I need you to do this, or I need you to know that. Stop. Do you see me? Do you hear me? Will you go and listen and do? And we don't need to go to Kentucky for a revival because the leper in this story, he didn't have a chapel. He was right out there in the middle of nowhere, praising and worshiping God. We can be right here in Bryan, Texas, and we can praise and worship God, but we have to determine that we are going to stop and we are going to see that Jesus is with us and that we are going to listen and go and do as Jesus calls us to go and do. And we are going to grasp a hold of life. And we are going to live it, not for ourselves, but for Christ, because in Christ we find life. And when we find life in Christ, there is a revival that happens. Because what's taking place in Kentucky right now? People are talking about it. People are talking about it all over this country. CNN has picked up the news. People are talking about Jesus. 
They're talking about Jesus. This is pretty exciting. And they're asking questions and they don't understand. And they're saying, well, who is this Jesus? And how do we know Jesus? And then what's even more incredible is that people who are hearing about Jesus and they're hearing about this revival, they are becoming revived themselves and they are giving their lives to Christ. Souls are being saved because of this revival. Because they stopped long enough, they, the students, they stopped long enough to do more than simply sit in their pew for an hour and then walk away. They stayed and they worshiped and they saw Jesus and they experienced Jesus and life was had. Brothers and sisters, I pray for a revival. I pray for a revival in your heart today, but I pray for a revival here in Bryan and all across America. And Bryan Community Church, when we listen and do as a leper, listened and did as Jesus called him, wow, he threw himself at his feet. A life was changed. And brothers and sisters, we have lives to change because I look out my window and I see a dark and broken world. But guess what? Not when we walk with Christ. Not when we put our hope and our faith in him. So I pray that you join me for revival here and everywhere, all in the name of Jesus. Brothers and sisters, I pray this and I wish you well. And until we gather again, whether it's online or in person, let us continue to love God, love people, and share the hope of Jesus all around the world.